Well, hello, hello, hello. Third time's a charm. I've recorded this podcast twice, and both times did not have it off of mute. And uh, the first time it was uh, full of distractions and noises and uh, just not a great, great podcast. So I do this for the people, and I only want to give the best. So here we are. Attempt number three. Well, anyways, welcome back to uh, Tangle Tales. I'm Andy. I'm the host of this podcast, and you are listening to the second installment of Wesapee Wednesday. Last episode was a Wesapee Wednesday about the 10 degree pale lager, the first beer that I brewed for Tanglefoot Brewing. And this episode is going to touch on the next beer, the 12 degree pale lager. So let's talk about what that means. So the first um, episode I mentioned that the 10 degree pale lager was what I, I assumed it would be the best-selling beer at Tanglefoot. Um, it turned out to not be the best-selling beer. In fact, it turned out to be the third best-selling beer, which was a huge surprise. Um, I thought that the light drinkability, approachability of that beer would be, yeah, it would just make sense for for most people to order, but I was wrong. So uh, I decided to move on to talk about the 12-degree pale lager, which is uh, my personal favorite beer that I make at Tanglefoot. It is a pretty much a premium check pills and my mom is calling me right now, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to call her back. And if she ever listens to this podcast, she will hear uh, the shout out as I text her to say, I'm recording a podcast. Um, anyways, sorry folks. Uh, <laughs> well, 12 degree pill lager. Uh, it is based off of a premium check pills. So, the idea here was to have something that was more robust in flavor, but still drinkable and and have a lot of that traditional Czech style pale lager, um, yeah, characteristic to it. So the base of this beer was obviously going to be uh, Pilsner malt. So I've got 55 pounds of Byerman Pilsner in this grain bill, along with two pounds of honey malt, which I've already mentioned is a um, kind of an accent malt that I use in these beers for a little bit more sweet, uh, malt character, a little bit darker color, and it, it complements the, the, the decoction, uh, melanoidin, uh, Maillard reaction characteristics. So, um, that is the grain bill. Very simple. Uh, in this particular recipe, I'm using surprise, surprise, Saz hops. Um, I've got a bittering addition at 60 minutes, 14 ounces of that to give 31 IBUs. And then I have a, uh, eight minute addition, which was increased from five ounces, um, to 10 ounces recently because I wanted a more, um, assertive hop flavor and character. And those late addition hops are usually, um, the, the largest contributors to that. So I've got an eight minute addition with, uh, 10 ounces of Saz hops and that is lending about what was it 11 IBUs let me sorry I just pulled up the wrong recipe sheet nope seven IBUs so for a total of 38 IBUs so a firm bitterness to balance that residual a um, little bit more residual sweetness so these this particular strain of yeast this Czech Pilsner uh, yeast that I use in all of my beers leaves a um, fermentation 
or the, the fermentation is generally a little bit less attenuative than another traditional, you know, German lager strain, for instance. So it leaves a little bit more residual sugar, a little bit more residual body and mouthfeel. So it gives us like robust malt character without, um, without needing to brew a much higher ABV beer. So this beer starts off at 12 degrees and, um, ferments out to about a 5%, 5%, uh, yielded beer. So it's got a ton of flavor packed into it. A lot of nice hop characteristic, but still pretty drinkable from a ABV standpoint. So moving on to the actual brew day, uh, this brew day starts off pretty similar to how the 10 degree pale lager starts off. I get my mash water up to temp and, or my strike water up to temp. And I'm shooting for a 152 to 154 degree Fahrenheit mash temperature so that I've got a little bit of, um, a little bit higher on the, uh, the mashing spectrum, but still, you know, full conversion and, and not going to be super dexterous and residually sweet. So, um, during the mash, I'm also adding my salt addition. So in this particular recipe I've got, uh, and this is a one barrel batch. I, just to remind you the size that I'm brewing on two kegs worth. Um, I've got 28 grams of calcium chloride and four grams of gypsum or calcium sulfate to acidify the mash. So when I'm mixing water and grains together on the spectrum of, um, I'm looking to hit a 5.2 to 5.3 pH in the mash, but, uh, the lighter, the, the color of the grain, generally speaking. So Pilsner would be on the lightest end of the spectrum, the lighter, the color of the grain, the more basic that mash is going to be. So I'm, I'm looking to acidify that mash to bring it into that range that I'm looking to hit. So that's what those salts are for. And they also aid in the flavor, um, of the actual wort, uh, and yeast health later down the line. So once the mash in is complete and I hit my desired pH and temperatures, I sparge and, or I'm sorry, no, I am pulling off a portion of the mash and I'm decocting it. So I'm boiling that portion of the mash for about 10 minutes. And then I'm reintroducing that portion of the mash back into the main mash. And it is raising the temperature usually up to about 162, 165 degrees Fahrenheit. And then I start sparging. So I'm collecting my wort, filling up my brew kettle, and I'm rinsing the grains as I'm doing so. Um, on this particular recipe, I'm looking to collect about 41 gallons of wort. So once all the sparging is complete and I've collected all my wort, I have a pre-boil gravity or kettle full gravity of about 1.045, which, sorry, I've got the hiccups for some reason, translates to about 11.2 degrees Play-Doh, 11.25 degrees Play-Doh. Um, and then I have a 90 minute boil on this beer as well. Um, most of my beers are a 90 minute boil. Um, this is due to a number of factors, but the primary factor is these Pilsner malts are less kiln. So they are lighter in color and lighter in flavor, more kind of grassy and grainy flavor as you kiln things or dry them and roast them more, they start developing more bready, toasty, biscuity notes. And so these Pilsner malts that are much lighter on the spectrum have all those nice grassy characteristics, but they also contain a lot higher percentage, um, respectively, of a uh, precursor uh, to DMS. 
dimethyl sulfide that is uh smells like canned or cooked corn canned corn and if you don't boil um vigorously and physically volatilize that uh compound out of the wort then that can be retained in the final product and for this particular beer style is not appropriate um i'm I'm not a fan of DMS in general, um, but in certain styles, like it, it, it's either appropriate or at least it's accepted. Um, so anyways, hence the extended boil. Most boils are in the craft beer world are around 60 minutes. So just as a little, little information there. Um, so my boil of 90 minutes begins. The first 30 minutes are passive. I'm just boiling uh, and volume is, is uh, being boiled off. And then at 60 minute mark, at the 60 minute mark, I'm adding my first hop addition, the 14 ounces of Saz hops for that 31 IBUs. And I continue boiling for another 45 minutes. And at this point is where I add all of my other little um, salts, minerals, yeast nutrient, things like that. So I've got another addition of um, a few grams of, of calcium chloride that I add. And then I have uh, Whirlflock, which is a... Uh, protein coagulant, which I think I talked about in the last podcast that basically allows all of the proteins that were coagulated during the boil to kind of like form together in big flocks or big clumps and and settle at the bottom of the boil kettle so that you can pull off the clean wort and leave behind all that trube that you're not interested in putting into your fermentation vessel. Um, So I, yeah, so I add a few, I think I add four tabs of Whirlflock I add about 10 grams of yeast nutrient, and that is my 45 or my 15 minute addition. Then I've got the eight minute addition. Eight is a weird number, but essentially I wanted to increase the number of hops that I added at the end of the boil. I used to have a five ounce addition at 10 minutes, and two minutes doesn't seem like a long time. And and to be fair, it's not a long time, but when you're talking about extracting alpha acids from hops, it's a uh, calculation of boil time or boil length and um, uh, percentage of alpha acids in the specific hops and the ounce or poundage of the hops that you're adding, as well as there's, you know, specific gravity, sugar density does play a factor, but that's neither here nor there for this specific discussion, but, um, yeah, so it was five ounces at 10 minutes. So I reduced the time that the, that the hops, um, cause I wanted to increase the amount of hops to increase the aroma and the flavor, uh, so that after this beer is lagered for two months, there's still a bright, fresh, um, spicy saws hop character. And so when I want to increase the volume of the hops that I'm adding, I don't want my IBUs to increase significantly. They did increase a a couple. I think it was three IBUs technically on paper, but I reduced the boil time to eight minutes and increased the five ounces to 10 ounces. So that is uh, kind of how my mind worked when I was thinking of uh, changing this recipe slightly to kind of fit the the specs that I was looking for. So after the boil, um, the full 90 minutes is up. I start the whirlpool just like I do with the 10 degree pale lager. I'm stirring it in a uh, circular motion to create a whirlpool action so that all of the proteins that have coagulated all the trube and hot matter fall into a little cone on the bottom of the boil kettle. And then 
I am left with a post-boil kettle volume of about 35 gallons. So I boil off about six gallons during the, the hour and a half boil. And I'm left with an original gravity of about 1.048 specific gravity, or you got it, 12 degrees Plato. So during um, the whirlpool, all of those, this um, troop settles out to the bottom of the kettle. And then I begin knocking out or cooling the work down. So I run it through my heat exchanger. I'm cooling it down to 50 degrees, just like I do for the 10 degree pale lager. And then I uh, pitch my yeast into the fermentation vessel. Well, technically it's already in there just due to the nature of my, the logistics of how I, I coordinate my brew day. I'm, I end up harvesting the amount of the yeast that I'm pitching, which in this beer I'm pitching like five to seven pounds of yeast slurry, which doesn't really mean anything uh, for y'all, but just know that it's an adequate number of yeast cells for this particular fermentation. And uh, once that happens, I close everything up um, and then I clean up my brew day. But uh, then I mark this beer as a uh, in fermentation and then the beer begins to drop uh, in gravity over the next few weeks. So the yeast begin to consume the sugars and excrete CO2 and alcohol as the byproducts. And I'm looking for it to finish up anywhere between 3.2 and like 3.8 degrees Play-Doh. So that's kind of a big range, honestly, but, um, and, and that's a pretty high uh, residual gravity compared to like traditional, maybe like a German pills, German style pills or a... Um, or even like an IPA or, or something as far as crap beer is concerned. But that is kind of the sweet spot for where this beer finishes up. So once the fermentation is complete um, or during fermentation, a little over halfway through, I raise the temperature of the fermentation to 60 degrees for that diacetyl rest. Once the fermentation is complete after having uh, two to three days of consistent um, stabilized uh, gravity readings, I then and a forced diastole test, which I think I detailed in a previous episode. Once I check the box and make sure that that is all good, then I'll crash the beer to 50 degrees, let it sit there for several days, and then I'll crash it again to 34 degrees, and it begins its little uh, lagering life. And uh, I will keg it off and let it lager in a keg for several weeks, and then carbonate it to the same degree that I carbonate my 10 degree pale lager put it on draft and uh, serve it up. So one thing that's cool about this beer is, uh, yeah, like I said, this is a more, I guess, what I would consider like a flagship premium Czech pills, uh, something that I want to drink all the time. Uh, I have live oak pills in my fridge constantly. It's a, um, I think it's a Czech pills inspired beer as well. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I want to be able to drink all the time. So that was kind of the goal with this particular beer. And, um, it's got nice, robust hop character and malt character, but still super easy drinking and, um, yeah, really enjoyable this, um, oh, what was I going to say? I had something about the, uh, alcohol content. Damn. So the, this beer is, uh, even though it's packed full of, uh, malt character and hop character, 
it and it has like a, a relatively more robust mouthfeel than the 10 degree pale lager uh it is still only about five percent abv so it's you can still sessionable sessionably drink this um a few beers in a row and it's 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 not too too crazy um i love the way that this beer pours so the 10 degree pale lager is a little bit lighter in finishing gravity and has relatively lower um, amount of protein uh or at least um a lower amount of um protein compared to the amount of protein in this larger beer so just in general like this beer is bigger in a sense so it has more uh, protein but it also has more hops and alpha acids promote hop stable or i'm sorry alpha acids promote um foam stabilization so when you pour this beer the 12 degree pale lager next to the 10 degree pale lager the foam on the 12 degree pale lager is going to last much longer and it's going to stick to the side of the glass and create a nice um lacing pattern it's it is yeah by far my favorite favorite beer to drink out of those glasses specifically so that's kind of a uh a, a wrap on the 12 degree pale lager um I don't have too much more to say about it. I look forward to getting a lot of this into cans. This is what I want to take home and have a six pack in my, my fridge constantly. But I know that some people uh, want the Tamave to be that beer. So I will have to dive deep into that one next week on uh, the next Westby Wednesday when we tackle the 13 degree Tamave. So for those of you that are following along with this, stay tuned and uh, I look forward to hearing any feedback that you have. Message me or comment on my Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Just if you know how to get in contact with me, just send me a message. If not, it doesn't matter. I hope you're listening and enjoying these and uh, have a great day. Nazrabi.